Hey everybody, 6th of December. Been a little short break here. Um, I got, uh, well, Theo, can't say much what Theo's doing, but he's down in Florida helping out on a political deal. And that's about all I can say. And uh, uh, Z's working full-time uh, welded. Uh, Mike Silton's got a fabrication shop doing really good. And then my daughter, she just seems to, she, she works for a Plasma Bank. And uh, I kind of laugh. It seems like every time you turn around, she's getting a promotion or something. And I asked her about it. And she goes, Dad, I show up for work. <laughs> and, and so I, <laughs> and it's making, making mom and dad have to get back into the doing everything by themselves mode here on the farm. And it's been really good weather here the end of November, first part of December. And fixing tile, um, Doing, uh, you know, a number of things like that has just been, you know, getting the last of the, uh, yeah, what was it, day four yesterday, I guess Saturday, uh, put all the uh, tillage tools up, you know, moving tractors around, um, you know, got one four-wheeler sitting outside, but once I get the, the, the square bales off of, uh, uh, square, square stock bales and square hay bales off of two racks, I'll push them outside and we'll put the four-wheeler where they're sitting and uh, we're going down the road. And, of course, this is December meeting time. Uh, you, you know, and and you always, it always starts off, I guess, with the Peoria Farm Show, which was interesting last week. Uh, from what I heard, the, the vendors said they had a pretty good Tuesday and Wednesday morning. Thursday, which had very, very nice weather, it was pretty well empty. And, you know, Judy and I were just talking about, you know, that you used to go up to Peoria every year. Uh, for the Pork Producers Convention. I think that was in February. You had the Peoria Farm Show. And, you know, at the Farm Show at that time, you had all the big major implement dealers, you know, and, and um, the world's changed. Uh, and, and maybe, it's, maybe you know, you're looking at it getting old, but we're, we're also talking about, you know, we used to go to the Farm Bureau Convention every year in Chicago or St. Louis, but most of the time it was in Chicago. Uh, and, of course, we're not going this year just just – just got too much stuff to do. Got to take care of everything at home. You know, of course, you got like the DTN Outlook meeting up in Chicago. You know, all that stuff's great and wonderful. But I could get a ton of information off the Internet. I can get a ton of information from podcasts. And I can listen to that information at my own time. But, hey, what what I really want to talk about um, is is some of the geopolitical stuff that's going on in the world. I mean... I thought about talking about the jobs outlook, maybe thought about talking a little bit about Elon Musk and, and what's going on there and and my thoughts that they're coming after him since he moved to Texas. But, you know, it's dry in Brazil. But um, I'm, I'm going to talk about things that could affect the profitability in American agriculture and affect them big time. And I know you may raise something that doesn't really compete with what 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 the crops I'm going to be talking about. But if those crops aren't profitable, those people then find other things to raise, and it it just brings the whole thing down. And and you know, and, and some of you people will, that that aren't not corn growers will get upset with this. But you know, back years ago when FFA you know had the ear of corn, it's because corn was growing in every state, and it always seemed like if corn was profitable, it lifted the tide for all the other boats and made everything else profitable. 
And, and, you know, now, you know, some people could be, well, maybe it's soybeans. I can tell you this, this fall rally here, or this early winter rally, whatever you want to call it, late fall, early winter, I guess technically we're not in winter yet. That doesn't happen until, what, the 21st of December. Been led by wheat. But Australia is going to have a big crop. And, yes, there's quality concerns about Australia, but there's still going to be a lot of wheat there. Okay. Uh, American agriculture is tied, in my mind, the profitability to what goes on in China. Whether China takes a lot of exports or not takes, because China takes the excess. China takes the surplus. China China takes enough to make sure we don't have burdensome supplies. And and we also got, you know, the, the trouble in Ukraine and Russia, and I'll, I'll touch on that a little bit too. You know, actually, if Ukraine and Russia get into it, that may actually be longer term bullish because let's face it us and the europeans are going to put a whole bunch of sanctions on the russians uh putin's wanting to limit his amount of exports anyway because he's wanting to keep food cheap for his people you know you you get you know the what what'll go on you know if russia does take over ukraine or a big chunk of ukraine you know if there's a war fought there uh, and it appears to me if russia does move they're they're going to do like every time else they've done they're going to do it with a winter offensive. They're going to wait until it freezes up um, because you have uh, the good old mother Russia mud. Um, now, whether this is Finland or, you know, some other, uh, you know, campaign by the Russians, I, I don't know. And, and I don't know, you know, the Ukrainians have bought some uh, drones from the Turks that the Russians aren't happy with. But if Russia really is massing the number of troops, and let, let's face it, um, Odessa is in Ukraine. But if, but if I asked most people where they thought Odessa was, they would say Russia. And Odessa is basically on the Black Sea. It's a port there. Um, I think Russia not only wants the Crimea, they want eastern Ukraine, which is where most of your industry are and where a lot of the Russians live. And then I want, I think they want the whole Black Sea coast all the way in past Moldova, all the way to Romania, uh, including Odessa. I think that's Putin's long-term goals. Now, Putin may be this saber-rattling and then back off if NATO agrees not to expand any farther east, because I do think, too, Russia's really worried about Ukraine um, becoming or, you know, part of NATO. Now, the Ukrainians got screwed by us and the Russians and the world back when Bill Clinton was president. Yeah, yeah, well, well, Bill Clinton screwed a lot of things, I think. But, yeah, you know, the Ukrainians had a huge nuclear arsenal. They had a big chunk of the Russian nuclear arsenal, or the Soviet Union, when the Soviet Union broke up. There was a whole bunch of nuclear missiles stationed on Ukraine. Well, Yeltsin was the head of Russia. Clinton was the head of the United States. And then with the rest of the world community, they talked Ukraine into giving up their nuclear weapons. And oh, by the way, Russia and the United States would guarantee the Ukrainian uh, sovereignty and security. Well, things change because Putin and his Russia uh, seem to me to be gobbling up bits of Ukraine. You, you know, and I find it interesting that the world press never really mentions that agreement that Clinton, Yeltsin, and whoever the Ukrainian leader was at the time signed. 
Because I can tell you, if Ukraine still had nuclear weapons, Russia wouldn't have carved off the chunk of the Crimea and they wouldn't be chewing on the eastern end of uh, Ukraine either. It'd be a whole different ballgame. Which, it, I kind of compare it to the Qaddafi deal. You know, Qaddafi gave up all his stuff and then we still killed him. Or let other people kill him. Probably rebels with our assistance. You know, there gets to be a point nobody's going to trust you. And and I know I, that's one thing the Iranians are on right now. The Iranians, any deal that, and I think Biden really, really, really wants to get to deal with the Iranians. But the Iranians are worried that eh, politics could change in the United States and this deal could go south. Huh. And, and, it, and, and I'm not making a comment whether I think there should be a deal, shouldn't be a deal. I think it all depends on what's in the deal and how it's enforced and, you know, what, what's, you know, how it's inspected and everything else. But as, as we're going to see a little bit talking about China here, you know, the, the, there's, there's in the modern world and the way you can do things and what I call the way everybody tries to get one up on everybody else, um, it's, it's a tremendous, tremendous job to stay ahead of this stuff. So, to the Ukraine-Russia deal, I actually think that if something happens there, I mean, the first initial shock's going to be down in everything. I mean, it's just, you know, margin liquidation, get out, we don't know what's going on, so the best thing to do is just get out and just liquidate everything. My guess is the market drops. But as you put sanctions on the Russians, as they're not able to export as much wheat and barley and corn out of the Black Sea as what they would have with Ukraine and Russia going on right now, um, that means the rest of the world's got to buy it someplace else, and it probably means it gets bullish for us. Plus, you're going to have you you're going to have, especially in Ukraine, if the Russians completely take over. Um, you're, you're going to have some, some chaos going on this spring. Now, farmers are notorious for working through a- adversity and getting things done. But on the other hand, too, if a bunch of tanks are driving over a wheat, winter wheat field that's planted and ripping it all up, then you're going to have to do something else with it this spring. And, you know, if there's mines in the ground, I mean, it's just all kinds of crazy things just thinking about what a modern war could do. But let's talk a little bit about China. Because like I said, I think China China has guaranteed profitability in American agriculture for quite a while. And and there was a period of time there during the teens. Boy, that's that's amazing that I'm sitting back here talking about the teens in this century. Uh, that they somewhat exited our market and and weren't as active as buyers. I mean, they bought some, but our profitability went down. But I also get back to where there was a couple times here in the not-so-distant past when USDA was predicting, what, like a 300 million bushel carryover of soy, or 600 million bushel carryover soybeans. 600 million. And it ended up being like 300 million bushel. And I'm, you know, everybody's like, where'd that 300 million bushel go? Well, probably went to China. And we know last year China bought a whole lot. And I know people like, well, they're not buying as much this year, you know, la, 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 la. But they're still buying a lot. And and if they're not buying it from us, they're buying it from the Brazilians and they're taking it off the market. Well, if China and us get into to a deal, depending on how long and how 
hard our Navy lasts, um, our Navy could shut down exports out of Brazil. Now, Brazil may not like that, and it may be Brazilian flag ships, but, you know, if, if we are able to enforce, enforce some type, you know, some type of a blocking action of the Chinese ports saying nobody's going in, nobody's going out, what are you going to do with all them soybeans and corn? And I know people say, well, eventually they're going to have to eat, you know, and all this other kind of stuff. Yeah, I get that. But it, it interrupts trade flows, and, and for the short term, it can be real crazy. Now, um, the, the latest news is China seeking a military base on the Atlantic Ocean. I, you know, some people say in the Atlantic, but it's really, it's on the coast of Africa. It's one of those smaller countries. It's basically due east from Florida. Um, and, and it doesn't put them that far away from basically, you know, Washington, D.C., New York, Philadelphia, you know, there, there, there's a whole lot of cities up and down Boston, you know, up and down that East coast that they get a base there. And, and the one thing that, that when China puts in a base, they also bring a whole bunch of civilian businesses with them. They just don't. We just put a base in there generally, and then we depend on the locals for a lot of – China brings everything. They bring the whole kitchen sink with them. They've done that in other places. And, and you know, they can also say, well, this is just part of our Belt and Road, uh, you know, uh, you know, the Silk Road and our Belt Initiative, you know. Uh, we're just trying to interconnectively, you know, you know, get around the world. And, oh, by the way, we're just importing, you know, stuff into this area of Africa, and we need a better port, you know, they can say whatever they want to say that thing is and try to kind of hide the real reason. But if it's a military base, you know, it's it's and, and let's face it, a lot of civilian bases in, or civilian ports in 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 not too much time can be turned into a military port. In, in one way, you just dock a military ship up there and start unloading the stuff. So um the other thing that's real interesting is they say that China's developed a technology to hide missiles, cruise missiles, in containers. So that means their vast, vast fishing fleet. And, and I tell you what, China's fishing the world's oceans everywhere trying to get protein for their people. Uh, but their vast fishing fleet, all these big container ships that are China-flagged, and let's face it, we we flagged them with the Chinese because they can do it cheaper than anybody else because they don't have the rate wages and the rules and the regulations that we do here. And you know, big container ship, you know, they're they're you know, I was watching some diagrams and some things on how basically this container just pops open and the doggone cruise missile flies out of the thing. You know, they got they got them where they can pack them down into a container. You got to remember, you you can you can put you know, but somebody told me they can put a twelve row and an eight row corn head in a forty foot container. That that's that's packing them away in there, you know. But a forty foot container, that twelve, you know, the the frame of that uh, twelve row corn head's only what thirty one, thirty two feet. Um, and and they can put a twelve row and an eight row in a forty foot container. So that's. That's a lot of stuff you could you can get in there to do that. So, um, if it you know U.S. ag is tied to China, and let's face it too, 
Biden and the Dems know they got lots of problems politically. And, you know, one, one way to rally the country is to have something bad happen and then you get into a shooting war and, you know, been, been done more than one time. You know, that, that's, that's my worry about the crazy Ura- Iranians. If things get bad enough in their country, same way with the Taliban, they'll find an exterior enemy to interiorly unite their people because they're we're we're not we're not bad with each other. It's those guys, or that country, or or those foreigners. You know, you've you've heard it, you've heard it time and time again. Oh, by the way, too, you know, just throw a little bit a little bit out there. Um, you, there's been some border clashes between the Iranians and the Taliban. Yeah, it, you you know you got to ask the question. Do you wonder is the is the C, is the CIA backing both sides in that deal so they get at each other? Who knows? Um, but yeah, we got some geopolitical stuff going on that can affect the, the profitability of agriculture in, in in a huge way. And I think you know if it's but but you know some people are saying too. Well, if if Russia moves on Ukraine, doesn't China move on Taiwan? And if China moves on Taiwan, um. Us exporting stuff to China is is and unless unless quote unquote we get defeated and China dictates the terms and um, I you know it, it'll be interesting to see and, and I tell you what the problem is is trying to project power all the way to Taiwan. Um, yeah, we got some bases in Okinawa, um, you know Hawaii. Um, we lost, we've lost our really, really good base in the Philippines at Subic Bay. And I think the Philippines were just tired of us being there. Um, you know, Australia's down there, but you know, it's, it's a long way to project power all that way. And if that happens, that just changed up balance sheets and let's face it, China's going to have to feed their people somehow. But maybe the chaos coming out of Ukraine and Russia means all that food then goes to China. And then us in Brazil got to find other people to, to take it. But I use a country like Egypt as an example. They probably only got so much money. And the money they can save on shipping by pulling it out of the Black Sea probably means they buy more, quote-unquote, bread, wheat. And if they have to spend more money, you know, shipping it in from the United States and Brazil, then that's less money they have to buy bread, wheat. So it, it, it uh, it's interesting what's going on. You know, I, I and, and is this saber rattling? And, and is, like I said, is Putin just, Putin is really good at pushing as far as he thinks he can push. I mean, he got the Crimea back. And remember, Russia and the United States and Ukraine signed an agreement that when Ukraine gives up those nuclear weapons, we're, we guaranteed their sovereignty. And what did we really do to stop the Crimea thing? Now you can say, well, that was part of Russia anyway. I can make the argument that, that, that if you really want to look at who owns the Crimea, it's probably more Turkish than anything. The Turks for, you know, hundreds of years owned that place. Maybe a thousand. Uh, yeah, uh, it just made your marketing plan just a little bit tougher, you know. And, 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 you know, people are questioning, yeah, do I just, you know, and I have to, do I just dump it now and 
buy options and know that's how much I can lose? Um, or does this all just settle out? Is this all just saber rattling and, and we go on down the road? I don't know. I don't know. Is the Biden White House capable of negotiating their way out of this? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but hiding missiles in containers, that may be the that may be the the one where, you know, a fishing vessel's just sitting off, you know, and, and you don't have to have a whole lot of range. You know, you got what a two hundred mile limit off the coast. So a boat could quote unquote be fishing three hundred miles off the coast and zip bang in a few minutes pop this container and you know there there's a missile flying towards the port of course if china does that that you know every everybody looks at this country and you know sees a lot of problems here in the united states and yeah we got some but you start popping us with some missiles there's going to be a whole lot of pissed off people and it's probably long term not a good deal for china but maybe maybe not you know um, and they got some smart dudes on their side, guys and gals. We got some smart ones on our side. It comes, it, it comes down partly to, you know, she, she's an old hardline communist. He's, he's from the Mao playbook. And Putin, he's, he's former KGB. Um, but yeah, I go back to, yeah, Ukraine, give up, give up your nuclear missiles. Give up your, because, you know, that, that was such the in vogue thing to do back in the 1990s. Um, give, you know, nuclear non-proliferation, you know, and, and probably the world's more unstable because of that. I know they're going to say, oh, well, you don't want a crazy person in Ukraine and everything else. Like, yeah, you know what? The stability that that provides and the fact that, yeah, Putin wouldn't be screwing around. Well, he'd be screwing around, but he'd be doing it more KGB-wise than he would be blatantly, openly putting 175,000 troops on the border. Wow. I, I think it's... think need to keep a close eye on all this, see what happens, see where it goes. Um, I'll um, I'll be back here the month of December kind of doing some, some wrap-up year into the stuff. Um, I appreciate everybody that listens, everybody that comments to the smartest audience in agriculture. Thanks for listening.